Welcome in to the Shop Management Show presented by AutoLeak. I'm your host, Will. This podcast will explore the experiences, challenges, and lessons learned of auto repair shop owners. We'll cover every topic imaginable from EVs to ADOS, right to repair, the technician shortage, and so much more. AutoLeap is an all-in-one cloud-based shop management software that allows shop owners to better run their business, increase efficiency, and grow revenue. You can find a link to schedule a free demo with AutoLeap in the show notes of this episode. Please like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. When you're consulting shops, how do you recommend to them approaching, finding the right resources, if they're going to outsource this from a marketing perspective, finding reliable resources, finding companies you can trust that also fit within their budget? This is this is a nerve-wracking thing for me in a way um, because I want them to get the best value for their money. I want who they work with to, to provide them with what they need. Uh, so really, I do a lot of research and ref- I do referrals. Um, the firm that I currently use, I found out from a shop five, six years ago. I've referred them to other shops. They're very happy. And, and so we're giving them a try. So, so far, so good. Right. Um, you know, to, I, I'm going to give a shout out to Sharp Mar- Shop Marketing Pros, Brian and Kim Walker. Um, I love what they do. Everything. I know where their hearts are. I know I've gotten to know them over the years. We've spent time together at different shows. Um, and that was what Brian was one of the ones that gave some advice this morning on that Facebook group <laughs> about marketing all the time. And there's other really good firms out there as well that I just don't happen to remember all of their names or have relationships with them. But I researched this deeply. Um, I also asked my clients if they chosen people that, you know, I don't know or other people know, just to ask certain questions. Here's an audit form. And um, whenever I run across other experts in the field, I spend time with them. I, you know, get to know them a little bit and then maybe I'll bring them on. We have, my company does special um, all group meetings for all my group members with a guest speaker that will then present on these different topics. And one of the ones we did recently was how to do an audit on the people, your current service provider, right? In terms of what they're providing you with their marketing and stuff like that. Because there are stories of people promising you top page on Google or promising you, you know, a million likes on Facebook or whatever. And of course they're just taking your money and, and not really doing anything. Right. So this is an area. And I think this is where shop owners do get cautious and pull back and get nervous. Um, and so then they, they ignore it or they don't, don't get involved because they're afraid of being taken advantage of and things like that. Right. So the whole thing is, is this is the same way as anything in life, right? You decide that you want to buy a new scan tool because you're comfortable with automotive technology, you then go and you reach out and you talk to all the different scan tool companies and you make your decision based on what you know and you you read. Maybe an alignment machine. So you're going to choose between one brand or another brand, right? But when it comes to something that you're not aware of or familiar with, it's hard to choose, right? And so this is the part where I would suggest that all your listeners reach out to software companies, reach out to coaches and things like that, Um for for our opinions because we get a chance to we get a chance to um to meet a lot of leaders in the industry and talk to them and bring that information back but the other thing is is to go to all the all the conventions and shows i don't go to all of them you obviously wouldn't have time to do that but choose uh one a year or two a year to go to and work those booths of the marketing people and the software companies and stuff like that and get your head around a little bit how that works right that would be an encouragement um that i would have I always remind people that even though it's digital and it's a presence online, um, and I've, I've 
I wish I remember who I learned this from to give them credit, but you can actually get to know, like, and trust somebody digitally. Um, I have people that I do business with that I have never met in person. We've only met first initially through social media and then through Zoom, and now we we do business together, and it, it's working. And then every once in a while, we will meet at a convention or at something and it'll be like, oh, my goodness, you're shorter than you look like or you're taller than, you know, we'll have a little bit of a joke around that. Um, but we've we've done that because you can portray transparency to a degree online. Of course, we know there's BS. We know there's gimmicks. We know there's stuff out there. Um, but again, we also get to know people. Right. We can get to know, like and trust. And that's when you when you're when your work, your marketing work is transparent and uh, what people experience when they come to your shop, if it matches what you showed online, that's perfect. If what you showed online doesn't match your shop, then, of course, people are going to get suspicious. Right. Um, I've seen automotive shop websites that have used stock images for the location and the location looks nothing like the real location. Why, why would you do that? I'm driving down the street, and even though my GPS is telling me that the location is here on my right, it doesn't even remotely match the picture in my head, right? Um, and so I'm probably just going to drive by and go, oh, that was weird, and, and not, not bother, right? So I do feel that there, there is that ability there. So back to the, the gaming of the, of the Facebook algorithm. Um, it's very simple. Dad jokes babies puppies and kittens <laughs> and my my lame attempts at smoking meat on my new smoker <laughs> that usually gets some conversations going right um no I, I i'm joking a little and so this is the part that for whatever reason i tend to be natural at that maybe not everybody will learn this but maybe we could give them some pointers to look for now this is not just for digital marketing this is for for a range all right so for example um, many automotive shops will be involved in athletics in terms of sponsorship, right? They might sponsor a little league team. Uh, they might, um, you know, we're, there are a lot of hockey and curling and stuff up here in Canada. So you advertise at the hockey rink, uh, the curling rink, you know, you might have a sign at the little league field. You might have a, a billboard, you know, you might be part of the advertisers uh, at the, at the baseball diamond, different things like that. Right. Which is which is fine. You're contributing to the community. You know, you've you've given money back and stuff like that. And I will ask many shop owners, are you involved in sports of any kind? And they'll say yes. I said, Do you attend the game? Uh no. Well, why wouldn't you attend the games? Well, I'm busy. Well, go to one a summer, <laughs> go to a playoff game, go to like again, when it comes to small children and things like that. We want to be appropriate. We want to make sure that, you know, we're, we're being appropriate with our behaviors and stuff like that. Um, but I, I sponsored and coached my, my children in soccer. And I would say I would usually get half of the soccer team parents every time I got a new team because I'm at the sideline. They're watching me interact with their children. And they're like, oh, well, I could trust him with my kid. Chances are I could probably trust him with my car, right? So, but even things like maybe we, we might... Uh, have an advertisement in the hockey arena or at the baseball diamond. And maybe it's a junior team. Like it's a team that the community go watches, right? Uh, junior hockey, junior, double you know, A baseball or triple A baseball. Well, why wouldn't we publish the, 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 the team roster, uh, the team schedule? Why wouldn't we announce on Facebook? Cause people are always asking me for content. Murray, what about content? I'm like, do you sponsor a baseball team? Yeah. 
what nights do they play? Well, it's always Friday nights. Well, why aren't you posting Friday morning or Thursday night all about, you know, the Kelowna Falcons are made the playoffs, made the baseball, right? Oh, I never thought about that. And so the thing is, is we have to remind ourselves is, is human beings and people have interests and people have passions. And maybe we don't share all their passions, but maybe we can choose one or two that we have and we can share, you know, in, in advertising those passions. I know of a shop in, uh, in Eastern Canada that more people go to their Facebook page for the farmer's market hours than to the actual farmer's market page. The farmer's market page is run by a really old school guy who doesn't have a clue what he's doing. <laughs> it's not a very useful page, but this shop has taken it upon themselves to constantly pu publish the farmer's market hours on their own Facebook page. Hello, <laughs> right? Instant content. You, you, everybody who's going to the farmer's market knows about your shop and knows that you, you know, you actively promote that farmer's market, right? I think that human element you're touching on is so important from the aspect of not just being a loose sponsor where you never show up, but active involvement in the community, showing that you care. And I think it's also the approachability aspect. Like if I was to come into your shop and we could talk about the football game that happened on Friday and you were there, I saw you, just that active involvement piece, it does build trust, transparency, and then ultimately leads to this referral and word of marketing conversation translating for your shop. You know, before I forget, I wanted to bring this up earlier. When I get asked for referral programs, um, I say, I don't have a formal one, but I have an informal one. The first thing to do is to track every new client and the source, asking them somewhere, not the first question, because you want to hear about them. You want to get to know them, get to know their car and look after their needs. But somewhere in that first transaction, say, hey, William, how did you come to hear of us? How did you come to choose us? Or actually, who referred you to us? Even just using the term who referred you to us, regardless of this digital age. And then William, you're going to say, my neighbor, Facebook, Google, whatever you're going to say. And we're going to document that. We're going to track that. Anytime you use the word some, or somebody referred me, I'm going to say, hey, by any chance, could you uh, be free to tell me who referred you? Well, my neighbor, Susan. All right. So Susan, da, da, da. I looked, oh, great. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the reason I'm asking, William, is, is we always send a little thank you card to, to, to all of the people that refer. I'm transparent with you about why I'm asking a bit more detail, right? So then I write Susan a handwritten thank you card. I may include a small gift card for a coffee, like, you know, a $10 Dunkin' Donuts or a Starbucks card, or I might not do anything. How many people in the world are in, in North America are getting a handwritten mail these days <laughs> or any mail at all, right? So the fact that I've actually taken the time to write that out and Susan gets a thank you card in the mail, like how amazing is that for that person, right? So then she's going to be wanting to refer more and things like that. But unless you actually know the sources of, of the referral, how in the world... Can you get more, you know, can you ask people to refer more people? Because you don't actually know the sources uh, that are happening with that question. So um, that's a little a little common sense thing to do to get people to to say thank you for those referrals. Because, again, that's back to regular, I would say, normal human interactions of politeness, of thankfulness, of gratefulness, uh, of looking after each other that then attract people. Car repair is intimidating to most of the driving public, right? You, I'm sure you have, you've had guests on on your on your podcast talking about that. 
And it's intimidating from a technology standpoint. And the, the more modern the car is, the more challenging. It's intimidating from a financial standpoint for the driving public. It's intimidating in terms of loss of their transportation for a period of time. And so many shop owners, service advisors, technicians are so busy thinking about the car that they're not thinking about the client, what they're thinking, what their approach is. To me, car repair is secondary to what we do. We're problem solvers. What's going on today? Uh, my car is leaking fluid. Well, first of all, we need to confirm what that is. Before we do anything more, we've got to find out what's going on so that you can make a good decision, right? We're going to give you an estimate. We're going to keep you in complete control of those decisions, but we'll give you all the information that you need. Secondly, once that's identified, we give an estimate and we say, would you like to proceed with that? And say, hey, listen, you know, based on our technician availability, parts availability, things like that, chances are, you know, we won't be able to get this repair done uh, by the end of the next day. You know, would you like a, a shuttle ride to work or what other transportation needs do you have, right? Some people will be like, no problem, I'll get picked up. Maybe we'll get a courtesy car involved, whatever. But rather than offer something up front, we should ask what are their needs, right? And then update them throughout the course of the repair. You know, come they, they get picked up. And what you've done is, is you've removed the friction. Now, this is a term, I think it's been around in business for a while, but it's a term that I've I've just been picking up kind of recently, the idea of removing friction from people's experience. You know, like we, we uh, my wife and I were on a website. Um, oh, we have a, we live at, by the way, the other, we were talking about our locations really before we started. Uh, I'm in the Okanagan Valley of British Columbia, Canada. We're like the Napa Valley of Canada, just to give a, you and your listeners a perception. So we're in wine country up here. And um, there's a new company that's got these three trolleys. And um, it's a hop on, hop off system for wine tasting, which is absolutely brilliant, right? Keeps the drunks off the road, <laughs> keeps people safe. And it makes it so much easier and it builds business for the wineries. Booking that thing is confusing. <laughs> you have to think too hard about how it works. And so then what do you do? You don't book, right? Um, great client of mine, Chris, I'll give a shout out to Chris. He knows who this is if he's listening. Um, is very proud of his electric courtesy vehicles. New, they're wrapped gorgeous very proud of them right they get used all the time western canada middle of winter client of his gets to use a courtesy vehicle goes to a parking lot and uh, walks 100 yards to the meter has to needs the license plate number not his car has to walk all the way back in the middle like minus i'm in celsius let's just say really cold <laughs> All the way back to his car, to the car, get the license plate, and then all the way back to the meter to type. You know, some of these public parking need you need the license plate number to type it in, right? So apparently, Chris, the owner, heard that client sort of elaborating on this to the service advisor when he was coming in to pick up his own car, and uh, Chris is like, "This is a very simple solution." He put the license plate number on the back of some beautiful metal key tags of the of the car keys, and every advisor when they hand those keys to the client. They point out if you ever need to use pay parking, the license plate numbers on your key tag. Isn't that like I get excited about tiny little details like that because you're removing friction from somebody's experience. You're making it so smooth to deal with that shop.
my main takeaway from everything you're walking through now is that customer relationship building and then nurturing those customer relationships, that's ultimately ties into the success of your business and not just from, you know, revenue overall, but just from the marketing side as well. It's that has a huge influence on how your marketing will do. So how does that tie in occur where everything we're talking about from the traditional word of mouth and referral marketing perspectives, how does that tie into running, you know, digital marketing campaigns at your shop? And how can you kind of find a balance between those two aspects? So everybody listening understands I'm all for digital marketing, regardless of what you may have heard or understood or misunderstood. I think digital and the modern eras is very, very good. All right. Now, I might not go quite down the path you're thinking with your question, but I'm going to circle back to Remember the fundamentals. What are you trying to communicate? All right. The fact that it's digital is irrelevant. It's just a tool, right? Um, you can get down, a, let's use drag racing as an example, right? You can get into a lawnmower and go down the drag strip, <laughs> right? You, you heard of these lawnmower races. Of course, they've not put V8s in these lawnmowers, but anyways, but you could go your regular lawnmower, go down, or you can go down the drag strip in a top fuel you know, and do it in five seconds or whatever, right? So the idea is, is the technology, it's still power, it's still whatever. And so it determines kind of how you want to do that. But I think fundamentally, yourself as a shop owner, um, and then the people you choose to either work, chances are as a shop owner, I'm going to recommend you hire somebody because you just don't have time. You've got other things to run in your business. So you need to find somebody to run this for you, is to remember the human fundamentals of being grateful of being courteous, of, uh, of understanding where the other people are coming from in terms of the intimidation factor of bringing in a vehicle. What are people looking for? The, the impression in modern society and modern economics and modern business is sell, 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 sell. And it's all about price. It's about how fast. Um, and it's about you know how fast, what is it? Quick, fast, and quality, right? The whole idea that we want all three of those things at once which is really impossible to deliver. So it's understanding that the driving public doesn't always understand what they need. They don't understand what they, they're driving a car, but they don't understand how to look after it. They don't understand what they need. So to give them a $50 off coupon for a timing belt, when they don't even know what a timing belt is, like what, there's just no relevancy. That's just gonna go in the garbage can, right? But like my best service advisor ever that worked for me, Kim, she was, I stole her from the restaurant industry. She was a, a, a restaurant manager and she learned all the car stuff little by little from the, from the shop guys and from the techs and stuff like that. But her first um, experience as an advisor with a broken timing belt who happened to be an Audi and the repair bill to replace the top end of that engine was over $5,000. This was back in the 90s. And she asked us, could this have been prevented because it was an interference engine? And we said, yes, it could have been. If they would have changed their timing belt at the recommended interval, they wouldn't have had this problem. Well, she said, can I keep the broken timing belt and the bent valves under my desk to show people? We said, of course you can. You see the conviction? We didn't need a coupon for timing belts. The fact that she understood the power of changing the timing belt, she could now explain it in her terms because she was not a technician in very, very layperson terms uh, to other people, she had no fear, she had very comfortable in presenting it and people could sense that confidence um, in that in that purchase, right? Now, again, a lot of cars today don't have timing belts anymore. They're, we're moving away from that technology, but there are other examples that would be there. So I, 
I, I don't know if I'm answering your question exactly, William, but I think the part that I want to remind people is, is to remember that we can still be human, even though we're using digital technology, and to remember not to use it to manipulate people, but to use it to communicate clearly, uh, to use it to present ourselves transparently, and to tell people about us. People want to know about what's going on. Uh, again, we want to be appropriate with this, this part of it, so we would talk to our team members. But celebrating employees' birthdays, uh, celebrating employees' interests. Um, you know, I know of a shop that uh, had these little cards made up, and a service advisor had their card, and then the technicians had their card. And um, the card said, your vehicle was serviced by, by Jason today. Uh, Jason's very proud father of three and loves fly fishing on the weekends. Oh, so it's not a robot or a grease monkey or a ripoff artist working on my car. It's a proud father of three who likes fly fishing. He likes quiet weekends on the river. Like some people, you know what I'm saying? Like, and 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 William, this raises another, this is raises another uh another topic. Personality types, of course, play into this. So in the coaching world, in measuring numbers, one of the numbers we track is car count. What was your car count like? And as you know from your company and from talking to a lot of shops, is that for some of them, they're just obsessed about getting more cars because if I don't have enough cars, then I'm not going to make any money, right? So car count is this number. I believe 90% of shops do not have a car count problem. They have a problem making every car count. <laughs> um, but any shop that has had a car count problem in my coaching career, to a T, 100%, those shop owners are introverts. Now, to a T, 100% of those shops are still profitable. They know how to make every car count. They do great inspections. They have great techs. Um, the owners are very good with numbers. Again, stereotypes, but nerdy number person, Excel spreadsheets, not so outgoing, you know, more of an introvert than an extrovert, right? And so if you are a listener and you are an introverted person, all the more power to getting somebody to help you with this. Because here's the part, and I'm an extrovert. Most of my family are introverts and I get dumped on all the time for how loud I am and things like that. Um, but one of the things, and I, I want to say this kindly and I want to say this gently, that introverts don't get is how extroverts connect. Or even ambiverts, right? People who are both, or my wife, my wife can be extremely extroverted, but she also has an introverted side to her, right? Like she, she can live in both worlds, probably leans towards introvert a little bit more now that she's, she's uh, a home, home a little bit more uh, that way. So, um, so here, here's an example from a friend of mine. All right. I don't know if I want to, if I want to go on social media, he said, this is a shop owner. I don't know if I want to go on Facebook and, and Instagram and all that kind of stuff, because I see this shop down the road for me, Hank, and he's always on Facebook and he's always on Instagram. He's always talking about himself and, and he's always got this parking lot. is always full of cars and we're always fixing half the cars he works on because he doesn't know how to fix a car to save his soul. So because somebody who is incompetent as a technician, who is an extrovert, who's good at attracting people and sweet talking people to come in there is not good. I'm now going to avoid digital marketing because I, I, I don't want to be a liar. Like I don't want to be that person. I'm kind of like, no, you don't have to be Hank. But you got to be more like Hank. Otherwise, you're not going to get more cars. 
right? So when I walk in a room, actually, I'm going to use somebody else as an example. I've talked enough about me. So I've got a good friend, Mark. I'll go out for dinner with Mark. And he has a great shop. He does a lot of fleet work. He's primarily fleet, 75% fleet. And people have always asked me, Murray, 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 fleet courses. How do I get more fleet? How do I get more fleet? And I'm kind of like, go for dinner with Mark once. And you don't need a fleet course. Because we will go for dinner at a place we've never been before. And when we leave, he will be best friends with the server and the owner of the restaurant. He will have business cards. They will have talked. He would have made a connection on some level of an interest, whether it be family, whether it be sports interest or vehicles or whatever the case may be. That man knows how to make friends. Right? So that's the part is those of you that are introverts, you're naturally introverted. You're never going to gain this skill because we are who we are. But at the same token, as long as you understand that's how it works, maybe then you can be just a little bit more extroverted or hire people to help your image with your shop to be just a little bit more out there. Putting putting yourself out there it takes a little bit of a risk uh, to put yourself out there because there's a certain segment of people who like outgoing people, right? And if you're completely introverted, you're going to attract an introverted set of clients and that's all you're going to attract. Wrapping up here, what would be kind of a step-by-step action plan that you would lay out to shop owners who want to consider outsourcing their marketing, but they want to make sure they're identifying the, you know, focused on the right things, making sure that they're approaching it from a really thoughtful manner. Just closing here, what would be your kind of step-by-step advice to them? I would say reach out to people you know, in, in but it doesn't even have to be your industry because you can get web designers and social media marketers, they don't have to be in the automotive sector necessarily to do a good job for you, right? They can, you know, somebody who can market a restaurant can market a, an automotive shop with digital marketing these days, right? So I think reach out to your, your own network, reach out to the automotive network. So through you, William, uh, you have lots of thought content experts, you know, my peers, um, you know, I think, I think of uh, Vic and Cecil and a bunch of the other coaches reach out to us. Um, you know, honestly, reach out to Sharp Shop Marketing Pros. They do a ton of complimentary and free work. Um, they have a free download ebook. And in that ebook, it talks about how to choose people. And they don't necessarily want you to choose them. They're they're very open to you finding somebody that's your fit, um, whether it's budget-wise, financially, whether it's personality-wise, uh, maybe regionality and things like that. So I, I, I guess I'm passing the buck a little bit to passing that on to them. Um, because to me, this is a very, this is a very, got to be a very safe space for us in business, for shop owners. And um, we need to talk to people we know, right? Know, like, and trust. Even if we've only met them through podcasts and through things like that, um, is to reach out to them. But I think the other thing, William, that my mind goes to when you bring this up is the first thing is to begin to think of marketing as a process, not a quick fix for a car count shortage. Um, I have a marketing calendar built out on a uh, on a spreadsheet, right? So you have uh, each of the months of the, the year you have. In fact, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but <laughs> reach out to me and I'll email you this Excel spreadsheet uh, marketing calendar. So the whole idea is, is that you have a budget every month. And then on the left-hand side of the spreadsheet are your, where you put the money into. So for example, SEO, Google website, 
Facebook, Instagram, or uh, print or sports, you know, arenas, baseball, diamonds, things like that. Um, and then what you do is you plan out a budget. So the first thing to do is realize that you are going to spend some money and you want to plan out how to spend that money. And then understanding the cycles of your business, the, the calendar helps you. You always market when you're busy because there's always a lag in, the, in terms of the effect of the marketing. So you're marketing when you're busy so that those quieter months, those cycles, especially those of you further north, uh, the northern climates with the winter tire change overseas and stuff like that, you have more peaks and valleys maybe uh, than in the southern states, right? Um, so having a marketing plan. And then once you have a little bit of a plan, then you actually have a little bit more to talk to people that you approach, right? The idea that you're going to spend some money. Um, and again, the amount of money will, will vary from coach to coach. Um, Canada, and believe it or not, and the United States will vary. Uh, I've distinctly seen a diff difference in the marketplace. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm going to say for Canada, if you want to maintain, you're going to be between three and 5% of your, of your sales and marketing. If you want to grow, you're going to be between two and a half, four and five. Uh, in the, in the United States, it seems to be a little higher. Maintaining is about two to five and growth is more like four to four to seven. Uh, percent. And again, these are just trends that I've noticed from people that I respect in terms of how much you have to. So if you have a million dollars in sales, you know, 3% is $30,000 divided by 12 is whatever that number is. Uh, so I think owners, William, need to have a mindset of a marketing plan, a marketing process, that it's not just this hit and miss of throwing things at the wall to see what's going to stick, right? And uh, And then tracking whatever you try regardless of what it is, tracking the results that you get. And again, the simplest way to track it is to ask anybody new where they come from. And by the way, maybe we can conclude with that. Best action plan out of this podcast is start documenting the source of every new client at your place and begin to see where are they coming from? Because that's probably where you want to put your money. Great piece of advice and great insights overall. Really appreciate your time today, Murray. And we will be back soon with the next episode of the Shop Management Show presented by AutoLeap.